Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy. Today's message title is called When God Says No. So write it down for your easy reference. Amen. And we're going to uh, talk about this scripture that uh, I hinted at last week. And uh, we're going to dive into it. And in a while, we're going to read this scripture. If you're taking out notes, write down Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 to 28. Matthew 15, 21, 28. And we're going to unpack this scripture together. It is an incident where Jesus interacted with a Canaanite woman. And I'm going to warn you, because some of you will be shocked. Uh, some of you will today, for the first time, maybe see Jesus in a light that you've never seen him before. Uh, but it's going to end well. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's going to end well. You know, turn to your neighbor and say, God is good. Okay, okay remember that. Because we're going to read some stuff that if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know that He is good, uh, you might be messed up. But how many know that Scripture is not meant to mess us up? Uh, it's meant to maybe mess up our flesh, uh, but it's meant to build us up, to become more Christ-like. And it is in, through Scripture that we know uh, God's character and His true nature. And so you're going to hear Jesus maybe say some things that you go like, wait a second, am I, did somebody edit my Bible? You know, did, did someone hack my, my app? Um, no, uh, we're going to read it, and then we're going to unpack, uh, and then we're going to unpack, yeah, okay, tell you what, let's read, okay, enough me chit-chatting, I'll let scripture speak for itself, Matthew uh, 15, 21 to 28, and uh, we have it flashed on the screen, feel free to read it from your Bibles, but here we go, then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Wow. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Let's just pause here for a bit. How many of you recently, when you prayed, heard this from Christ? <laughs> never, right? You know, we, we never in our wildest imagination would, would even think that you know, Jesus would say that, you know, all of us, you know, we go like, you know what, you know, God is so good, you know, that's who He is, that's who He is, He's a good, good Father, you know, and He's just there to bless me and stuff like that. Uh, uh, never would we imagine that, wow, Jesus would ignore a woman in desperate need of help, in desperate need. Her, her daughter wasn't just demon-possessed, it was severely demon-possessed. Man, I mean, use your imagination. I don't know what that means, you know. Maybe demon-possessed could just be like, ah, you know, rolling around, you know, severely demon-possessed could be walking upside down on the ceiling, you know, vomiting green stuff, you know, all the stuff you watch on Exorcist or, or all the other horror movies, severely. And despite all that mess in this woman's life, Jesus ignored her. And when she pressed in, she said that I was not sent to you. Who? When, when was the last time you prayed? God, please help me. I've got an exam coming up. That's not, I didn't die to help your exams. Oh, you know, never, right? If most of you say no, every time I pray for exams, God, no. His presence just floods the room and, and suddenly all the, the notes start being highlighted themselves. I'm like, wow, wow, awesome, you know. If you have such a testimony, please raise your hands. A lot of students will gladly ask you to pray for them to have the same experience. And on top of that, when she pressed in even more, Jesus didn't only ignore her, but says that, hey, it's not good to take food belonging to the children to give to the little dogs. When was the last time God called you a dog? When was the last time you prayed? Oh, Father in heaven, yes, dog. Huh? <laughs> but let's read on, okay? Okay? And she said, even though after all that, she said, yes, Lord. Yeah, even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. 
Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. So this is the good news. We'll go in to unpack some stuff, but I want us to have this good news, okay? The good news is the lady got her healing, or at least the daughter got the healing, amen? And not only her healing, in fact, Jesus didn't say, go, your daughter is healed. No, let it be to you as you desire. Wow. That means that at that moment, anything that she desired, it will be done. But of course, we know from Scripture that at that moment, she only had one thing in her heart, which is for her daughter to be, to be healed. And that's why the following line says, and her daughter was healed that very hour, that very instant. You know, the daughter wasn't there, but Jesus mentioned, and meanwhile, wherever the daughter was at, she, I, don't, I don't know what she's doing, being severely possessed, but she was healed. She was set free just like that. So when you persevere, God still comes true. Amen? Uh, but what we want to uh, uh, learn today is how do we handle when God says no? How do we handle it? Because I want us to become Christians who can handle a go from God, Christians who can handle being sent into the fire by God, but Christians who can also handle receiving a no from God. You know, the, a scripture that God has place in my heart for us as a church, uh, uh, re- known recently when I was doing my quiet time is, is you know, if I'm not mistaken, found in James chapter 5 verse 16, but basically it's summarized as the prayer of a righteous person. The prayer of a righteous man, but a prayer of a righteous person will accomplish much, will avail much. And I can't help but feel like God uh, wants to lead our church in that direction. You know, already we are training our, our members to be confident, you know, to, to speak up when we need to speak up uh, in public, you know, and, and that's why we are, we're doing classes on moving in the Spirit because we want people not just to speak up, but they will have something to say and something to deposit, something to release, a word, you know, a healing. Uh, but to do all that, we, we got to also be found to be righteous in the eyes of God. Just because you want to serve God doesn't mean that you will be fruitful. The Bible says that righteousness is the key. And so what is righteousness? Righteousness means that people that God can depend on. And and if we can only take a yes and not a no from God, we we are not dependable. And we got to be people who can handle both a yes, but also a no. In fact, one of the things that a child needs to learn and, and this is parenting advice. Write it down. Next time you have children, you'll thank us later. The first word a child needs to learn is the word no. Don't say child, even dogs and pets. And the first word, the first command I got to give my dog is not to sit, stay, roll over, say hi, or even say grace. Like my dog doesn't say grace, but she, she understands that she cannot eat until we say grace. It's not all that. It's the word no. No. In fact, if you can't handle a no, you can't handle a yes. And you find this in Genesis as well. Oh, if, if, if God, you know, created everything, why did He put the one tree there and says, no, you can't touch it because He's about educating us. Because in humanity, if we couldn't take a no, what makes you think we can take a yes from God? And so we've got to be Christians who can be found dependable uh, by the Holy Spirit who can take a no, but not just take a no, but understand a no. And so I want us to understand that in the scripture we just read, that the truth is this. I know some of you might be thinking, oh, okay, okay, Jesus was just kind of like trying to teach the woman uh, or trying to make it difficult, maybe just try to test the woman to see if she was sincere. Uh, no, no, that wasn't the case. Uh, Jesus was truthful about him not being here for everyone. Now, now, before you go like, whoa, does it mean I'm saved? Yes, you are, okay? If you, if, you, if you call Jesus your Lord and Savior, you believe all your heart, you are saved. We'll get to that at the end of the service. But, you know, the truth is this. The rest of the world was the responsibility of the disciples. That's why in the end of Matthew 28, it says that now go into the world and make disciples of all men. So at the end of the day, God still wants all men. But how many know that Jesus, He had a mission? And that mission primarily was to fulfill 
the, the, the sacrifice that was needed was to not just fulfill the sacrifice to save first, but to fulfill the law. He didn't come to break the law, he came to fulfill the law. And a few weeks ago, we learned about the covenant, the covenant of the pieces. And so when God came, he came to fulfill that covenant. You know, so it was first and foremost for, he wasn't lying, it was first and foremost for the children of Israel because they had been under the law, they had all these rules and restrictions and, and God had to go to them first. And once they had the gospel and, and regardless of how they received or didn't receive it, uh, then the rest of the world started to receive the gospel like, and that's how the gospel ended up with us today. So I want you to know that Jesus wasn't lying. You know, that Jesus was sincerely saying no to this lady. And this is not to mess us up because through this, Jesus was also trying to teach. How many know that Jesus wasn't alone? Every time you go back, every time Jesus talked out loud, it wasn't just for the benefit of the person he's talking to. It was also for the benefit of everyone else listening. And throughout Jesus' ministry, there was only two people, uh, not from the nation of Israel, um, that he, he healed or his, he did miracles for. The first was the Roman centurion, who, 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 who again said that, you know, uh, my servant is, is ill, can you heal him? And of course, the second is the Canaanite moment that we just read. And in both situations, it wasn't uh, uh, their request that granted them the miracle, it was their great faith. It was their great faith. That's why even this woman goes, wow, your faith is great. I love it. Jesus says, man, this, no, this is not part of my mission, but because your faith is so great, here you go. You know, Roman centurion, this is not why I'm called. I'm, not here, I'm here to serve the people of Israel first, but, but you know what? Your faith, wow, your faith. Great faith attracts God. And so as Christians, we've got the people of great faith. And great faith means being able to accept and understand a no. But let me give you the three points that I'll be unpacking with us today. Uh, the three points that Jesus was trying to teach. You notice here that Jesus was trying to teach because his disciples were, were, were getting, you know, a little bit uh, too obnoxious. You know, don't you think it's cute uh, that this woman, right, we read, she was crying out to Jesus, Oh, son of David! Oh, Lord! And yet you'll find in a certain line that the disciples got irritated because they thought that it was about them. You know, let's go back to, to the earlier page uh, and you will see that when it says, God, can, can you just, you know, this, well, they didn't call him God. They say, Jesus, uh, can you just shoo this woman away? It says there, verse 23, uh, his disciples came and urged him saying, send her away. She cries out after us. Actually, it wasn't them. It was Jesus. And so sometimes the people of God uh, need uh, some education. The people of God were, were after a while thought that, oh man, you know, because I'm so close with Jesus, me and Jesus like this, you know, oh, you know, everything, you know, it's about us, when it's not. And Jesus did this interaction uh, to, he spoke truth, he had to educate this Canaanite woman, uh, and uh, her faith was released through this testing for the benefit of his disciples, because he wanted his disciples to learn this faith. In other words, there are three things that Jesus wanted us to learn. He wanted us to learn that in life, there are restrictions, there are priorities, and there are places. And then we're going to go into them deeper as each of the points we'll be covering today. In life, there are restrictions. Don't you agree? In life, that's a, that's a fact of life. There are restrictions. The, the earlier you understand your restrictions, uh, the better in life. You know, the, the more you know what you're meant to do, what you're not meant to do, uh, you know, you, you have life partially figured out. You know, if you go through life understanding the power of priority, man, you're going to be excellent. You're going to be very successful. The problem with people who don't know priority uh, comes this word called procrastination. People procrastinate because they have lost priority over what they need to focus on. So what Jesus was teaching is, is multi-layered. And of course, he wanted to teach them that you, everyone has a place. Everyone has a place. And so in society, in life, we have a place. And we function best when we function in our place. 
Now, this is by no means saying that, oh, you know, some people are meant to be second-class citizens. No, that's, that's not what it means. It means that we all have a function, we all have a destiny, we all have a purpose. The, the, the faster we figure out our place, our part to play, uh, our purpose in life, if you like it, uh, the better it is. Amen? And so this was the, the things that we can unpack out. But, but, but I also want us to know that, you know, maybe some of us here, uh, we um, have been in a similar situation. You know, you've prayed. You were in a severe problem. And you prayed to God and God did not answer you. And you felt hurt as a result. Or maybe God did answer you, but He didn't tell you what you wanted to hear. How many have been there before? Yeah? You pray, God, please, can I have this? God, I need this. Silence. And some of us, we get angry, we stop praying even. Or we pray, God, please, God, bless me with that job. Bless me with that relationship. And God says, no. You're too childish. <laughs> what? But God sometimes tells us, hey, if, if your prayer life has only ever been God telling you everything you want to hear, you might not be praying to God. <laughs> you might be praying to yourself. Because yourself will always tell you, no, it's okay, it's okay, it's fine. God, should I go to church? It's so windy outside. It's okay. My presence is everywhere. You can worship me at home. I can tell you, that's not God. <laughs> you know, or sometimes, you know, you pray and again, you're you're reminded of your place. And, and I also want this message to help us to heal. And maybe there are some of us seated here and we're still bitter over our last interaction with God. We're still angry over our last disappointment in faith. We're, we're still confused. I want today's message to also heal us. Amen? And the problem with disappointments is that it comes from mismatch expectations. No, and we, we, we were disappointed when our expectations are not met. You know, have you been there before? You know, you go to a restaurant and then you look at something and then you order it and then when it comes, you're disappointed. You're disappointed by the portion. Hey, the picture looks so big. How come what came looks so small? Maybe you were expecting because the, the, you know, the description of the dish was written so beautifully that it sounds so delicious, you know? Crispy pork belly and rice. Ooh, hallelujah, there is a Lord. And then when the thing comes, you know, the skin is rubbery. It's the exact opposite of crispy. And then you get disappointed. You get angry. Why? Expectations are not met. Yeah? And, and, and so this, if we're not careful, sometimes we can interact with God and we expect God to move in a certain way. We expect God to say or to approve, or to bless what we're about to do. But instead, we get the opposite of that. I want us to understand that, you know, it's not because God is evil. It's not because God wants to make your life miserable. It's because your expectation on who God is uh, doesn't hit with the reality of who He is. And that's why you are disappointed. But I also want you to know that expectation is a two-way road. Do you know that at the end of the day, God also expects of us. You know, the, 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 the commendation every good believer hopes to get one day when we reach heaven is that to stand before God and just be said, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's it. That's it. You know, if, if, I, can, if I can stand before God or kneel before God and, and that's all He says, I'm happy. But that also means that God has an expectation for us to be faithful. And He has an expectation for us to serve. And he has an expectation on us to be good or to live up to his standards of good. So we can't just go like, oh God, I expect you to do it. Good, if you want to expect that, God expects of you. And so even when God gives you a no, he expects you to understand, he expects you to learn. And so Jesus was not aiming to disappoint you or this woman. Instead, he was expecting you or this woman, in this case that we're studying, to understand that in life, we need to accept and embrace the right restrictions, the right priorities, and to know our right place. Let's talk about restrictions. How many of you love restrictions? 
Come on, raise your hand. Hallelujah. No? You love restrictions? Liar. No, that's okay. You're playing along. Most of us, if we're really honest, we don't like the idea of being restricted. No, we don't like it. And can I tell you a pet peeve of mine? It sounds very silly. You know, when I fly, um, many times by uh, divine comedy or, or humor of the Holy Spirit, uh, He always sits me uh, near business class. Near. Not in business class, but near business class. Near enough for me to look in. <laughs> near enough for my hands to almost reach. And then sometimes I'll, I'm, I'm there and I'll take a picture, I'll send to Pastor Ken and say, hey, guess where I'm seated in today? So near, yet so far. But it's okay. It's okay. Um, but what gets me, what, what hits me, I don't know why it hits me, is this, this you know, our fleshly hate for restriction. Is that, you know, when we take off, everyone, everyone's common. You know, we, if we take off or we land, you know, we fly together, we die together. You know, everyone, everyone's equal. Everyone's equal. But the moment the, the plane gets to that, that level, that, that, that altitude that it's meant to be, and then everything chills down, and then the seatbelt sign turns off. It feels like, oh, time to relax, break out the entertainment. The air stewardess will step up and walk. And then close the curtains. And right, I don't know why, but at that moment, I felt restricted. <laughs> at that moment, I felt like leading a revolution with the rest of the plane. Come on, what's this class division? Let's take them down. The, if I can't eat what you're eating, at least let me see you eat what you're eating. You know, can I peek in? And I don't know why even the restriction of a little, little curtain gets to me. And I can only imagine the other restrictions. Now, we hate restrictions. That's why in the perfect world, we think, we think in the perfect world, that there should be no restrictions. And that's why there, there is conflict with our understanding of God. God, if you made the whole world good, why restrict us with that one tree? Restriction. We play this imaginary game. Have you played it before? No, you ask each other, if you could do anything in the world, you could be anything in the world, any occupation, anything, with no restrictions, no financial restrictions, no monetary restrictions, no geographical restrictions. What would you be? What would you do? And some of us say, oh, I'll be an astronaut. Wow. Some of us say, oh, I'll start my own business. Wow. And that's why people get messed up when they ask Pastor Kat that and then she says, I'll be a lawyer. And you'll be like, what? The exact same thing you're doing? And she's like, yeah, I like what I'm doing. <laughs> and so we, we, we love the idea of no restrictions. And don't get me wrong, not all restrictions are good. People have marched, the civil rights movement in the 50s marched because there were unfair and wrong restrictions. People of colour step out of the bus. People of colour give your seats to you know, uh, uh, other people. Those are wrong restrictions. But in life, we need to accept that restrictions, in the right ones especially, are good. Let me ask you this. How many of you would agree that the prime minister or president of any country can't declare war on his women fancy? You would agree that if there's a law that says he needs to check with Congress or he needs to check with Parliament, you would agree that's a good restriction. You know, you would agree that the prime minister cannot be the finance minister at the same time. And when there's a law that says you can't do that, you would agree that's a good restriction because uh, the, the, the prime minister can't just reach into the finances and change it and, 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 and reach himself. And that's why there are, there are rules. How many agree that in every functioning democracy, there are restrictions to terms? Even in America, every president, no matter how successful you are, maximum you can serve two terms. And how many agree that there's a good restriction? Right? How many agree that, that husbands can only have one wife? And that's a good restriction. How many agree that wives can only have one husband? That's a good restriction. And as much as we hate the idea of being restricted, yet we celebrate weddings, not realizing that when we celebrate weddings, we're celebrating restriction. Think about it. You're not just celebrating two people coming together, you're celebrating the end of dating. You're celebrating, wow, from now onwards, they can only see each other. 
For, for, for in sickness and in health, good days or bad, they can only see each other. <laughs> I'm so happy for you. <laughs> that you can have no more freedom in dating. And you make a vow and people cry, you know, forsaking all others. And then you cheer. <laughs> and yet when God tries to restrict your life, you go like, God! Because the right restrictions are good for us. And so the first thing you got to understand is that we might not like the word restriction, but sometimes God says no to us because that restriction is for our righteousness. That restriction is for our good. And so Jesus wasn't against healing this woman, but he was not called to. Healing will reach this woman and the rest of the world. The gospel will reach the rest of the world, but he had to go through the hands of his apostles. And yet, he restricted, not because he was evil, but because there was greater righteousness. The, the house of Israel needed to come first. He was called to do that. He only had three years of ministry. He had to maximize every hour. He was a man on a mission. And when you want to do great things, you need to restrict yourself from doing things that don't matter. And so we've got to understand that when God says no, so think back the last time God said no to you, or when you went through the scripture and the scripture says no. God, why, why is your definition of marriage so strict? Why restricted to just one man, one woman? Well, there is a purpose behind that restriction. There's a righteousness behind that restriction. And even though you might not understand, rest on the fact that certain restrictions are good. Just like when you were a kid, you know, your parents, they restricted you from crossing the road. Now that you are understanding, you know, oh, I can cross the road. But at the time, you know, they would say, don't. Don't ever cross the road. Only cross the road when mom and dad are here. Cross the road only when I'm holding your hand. Don't ever do anything. You know, even if your ball drops into the street, don't cross the road. And, and it sounds restrictive, but it was for our good. And at that time, at one year old, two years old, you won't understand it. You think your parents are trying, no, the world is so big, mom and dad. Of course, you can't speak, so you're saying, ooh, ooh, ka But what you're saying in baby talk is that the world is so, you know, the expanse of the universe is, is, is big. Why do you curtail my traveling and discovery? Are you against my creative nature? And all your parents are just hearing, ka That restriction is for our good. Look back. The last time God said no to you, it wasn't to hurt you. God's not in the business of hurting you. He's in the business of saving you. He's in the business of loving you. And when you have to say no, it's for our good. It's to protect us. Because restrictions, the right restrictions, are to be embraced and accepted. Point number two, Jesus needed to teach His disciples to have the right priority. The right priority. He says that, I was sent to the children of Israel. And uh, let's, let's flash up, you know, the verse again. He says to a woman, I am not sent to any other except the house of Israel. And the woman pressed on and, and, and said that, no, it is not good. Jesus says, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. In other words, until the children have eaten, food shouldn't be given to the dogs. And while that's painful for us to hear, Jesus, what are you saying? Are you saying that I deserve only the leftovers? I'm a second-class citizen to the people of, of Israel? No, in the, in the new covenant, that's not the case. But this was before the cross. So Jesus had, was there to fulfill the law, so he had to explain, but he was also hoping. And this woman, of course, understood Jesus' heart. That's why in the end, she walked away with her miracle. She understood and just knew that, man, I'm the Alpha and Omega. Before I ask a question, I know how you answer. So I know this woman will be able to give me the answer that will be able to use as a testimony that will teach generations to come. But what Jesus is trying to say that, yeah, don't get me wrong. The dogs will be fed, but the children have to eat first. And so what this means is this, that in life, there are priorities. And sometimes when God says no to us, it's not to reject us, but because it's not the right time. And God knows, because He knows our nature, He knows that it's pointless to give us reason. We, we love it when God reasons with us, don't we? We love it. We hate it when God is curt. 
Yes, no, go. God, more details, please. Step out. More details, please. Pray. Pray for who? Pray for... Because the truth is this, being the Alpha and Omega, He knows that our fallen human nature, the more details He gives us, the more details we want to twist and turn. If you're really honest. Right? Because if God says, Gareth, no, I want you to step up by faith. I want you to, you know, do this, do that. And then you'll be like, God, you know, you want me to step up by faith, but... You know, you need, you know, Scripture says, you know, faith comes from hearing, you know, hearing the Word of God. God, you're going to show me through Scripture, you know, what you want me to do. Because we'll, we'll twist and turn, right? If, even if God says, you know, things like, you know, I want you to, uh, uh, you know, uh, trust me, I'm going to provide a new job for you. Just quit your job right now. You'll be like, God, since you're going to provide me a new job, why don't you show me the new job first? Why don't you give me the letter of offer first? Then I'll quit. Because you know, God, since you're, you're already going to do it, there's no harm in just letting me have a sneak peek. And sometimes God knows the amount of time that will be wasted with the back and forth. He just tells us no. But we need to be mature enough to accept it. And sometimes that no, like I said, is a restriction for righteousness. But sometimes that no is about priority. And I'll just use this example. I still remember when I was uh, a student, since Valentine's Day was just a couple of days ago, uh, I remember when I was a student, before I met Pastor Cat, uh, I was just this loser, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, I was like, you know, hopeless, you know, you know the, the only hope I had was Jesus. Uh, and uh, I still remember going to class one day, and uh, this is my, my first year in university, and, uh, you know, there was this girl that was so beautiful in class, and one day she just walked up uh, to me, and, uh, you know, she's the type of girl that walks into class and all the guys would just turn their heads. And so this girl walked up and, and in, in tutorial, she just sat down next to me. And uh, for some reason, uh, you know, the, the, the lecture was late, so we had time to chat. And uh, she asked me this, hey, David, um, if you could date anyone in class, you know, without restrictions, who would you date? And I was like, you know, first of all, my brain broke. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure about you. I, I, I have like really low self-confidence, you know. Uh, we have a lot of beautiful people in church and, and every time God sends beautiful people in church, you know, I, I, even though I'm happily married now, uh, there's still a phobia. Like I don't dare to look at beautiful people in the face. Uh, so if you see me talking to you, I'm staring, you, I'm staring down at the floor, it means that you're, you're very beautiful. Um, if I look you in the eye when I talk to you, it means that I love you. Uh, anyway, <laughs> just to protect myself, just to protect myself. I love you, I love you, I love you. I see, I see myself in you. <laughs> joking, joking. All beautiful. Everyone in church is beautiful. Anyway, so, anyway, I was just like, oh, 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 I can't believe this popular girl is trying to talk to me. Oh. And then she said that, and before I could give a response, she said that, you know what? Uh, I'll tell you my answer. I will date you. And then I was like, you know, system just crashed. You know, just crash. You know, uh, and I was like, Aah. and then of course, class canceled. She walked her own way. I thought, what, this, what prank was this? Where's the hidden cameras? Uh, and that night, we attended a Bible study in church. Uh, and I'll tell you, ask me what the Bible study was about today. Ask me, ask me, I'll tell you, I don't remember. Because the only thing I remember was that in the middle of that Bible study, I got a text message from this girl. And this girl says, hey, so what are you going to do about what I told you this morning? And I was like, ah. <laughs> And I don't know what came up over me, and this is, God is so good. You know, God doesn't give us a challenge more than we can handle. And even though, <laughs> why are you guys laughing at? <laughs> we, so what happened was, even though I was, I was just in awestruck, love struck, whatever struck by that message, uh, the, the grace of God came over me to say that, Dave, no matter what, you gotta, you got to seek God first. That's what I mean by God will not give us a challenge or temptation we can't handle. He will somehow give us strength to, to, to turn to Him. And I still remember turning to God. And I was like, God, what should I do? God, wow, what a blessing you brought me, God. You know, God, you know, how should I reply to her? Should I tell my parents? And even before I could finish explaining to God, I just heard God say, No. And I was like, but, but no, no, God, I haven't finished yet. You see, this girl, this girl, God, I'm not sure whether you've seen this girl, but this girl, no, no. And I've never heard God so clearly before in my life. Think about it. The times we hear God the clearest are also the times when God tells us the things we don't want to hear. Have you been there before? 
right? We're always going, God, give me a sign. Should I do this? And, and the yes feels like it's so hard to hear, but the no is loud and clear. And we hate it. And that's why we go for second, third opinions. You know, we change pastors and go like, Pastor, can you tell me? Tell me that I should be with this person. Tell me, please. Tell me I should be with this person because, you no, know, every pastor I know is telling me no. The scripture is telling me no. You know, the birds are telling me no. Everything. Anyway, so, God says, no, 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 no. And I understood then that God was not against me having a relationship. God was not against me being with someone beautiful. That's why today I'm with Pastor Cat. You know, and so, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, have to, <laughs> gotta, gotta, you gotta earn some brownie points every now and then. Um, okay, okay, coming back, coming back, okay? This is, we're learning about Jesus, okay? Because it wasn't the time yet. Because if I had at that stage gotten into a relationship, it would mess with my priorities in life. And naturally, now looking back, I know if I had been disobedient to God, I would not be standing before you today. I would not have the credibility to stand in front of you today because my life would have been derailed. And that's what we tell people. You know, we, we say all the time, London is so transient. We might not be here forever. Maybe three years, maybe five years, maybe two years, and then God your, your, or, or your, your boss, <laughs> whichever is God, uh, sends you to another office, another city to work which makes every day and every year so much more precious. And, and, and the people that you're interacting with, the housemates you have, the friends you have, uh, the, the colleagues you have, you're not going to have that same combination of people that you do life with the following year. So if you don't take every opportunity when you have it to live for Christ, to preach Christ, to, to, to display the goodness of God, in hopes that that can be a sowing into that person's life, you're not going to have that same relationship again. You know, because that, how many of you are still living with last year's housemates? Very few. You know, don't, don't count family members and married couples, okay? <laughs> Families don't count. I mean, they do count, but not in this example. But we, we change, right? First year, we stay here. Second year, we stay here. Our composition of people that we spend 24 hours with change. And one day, we're going to stand before God. And then will God say that you were so faithful with the, with the one year you had in London? You were so faithful with the 24-7 that you had with that person. I was so glad that you took every opportunity to sow. I was so glad you took every opportunity to pray. There are priorities. And sometimes God is telling us, no, don't take that job. Or no, I'm closing this door. Not because you're not qualified. It hurts sometimes when we get the interview, but we don't get the job. It feels better if we don't even get the interview. It's worse to get the interview and be rejected. And sometimes it feels like, God, what's your point? And God says, I'm not here to mess you up. I'm here to give you an interview because I want you to know that you can get an interview. And that's a blessing. But I didn't give you the job because the job would have messed with your priorities. So won't you seek me again and ask me again what you need to prioritize right now? Maybe you're asking God, God, I'm so lonely. Give me a girlfriend. God said, I'm not against you having a girlfriend, but now's not the right time. Now's not the right time for you to be with someone. Now's the right time to, to, to be married. Just, just trust in my timing. Amen? Point number three. God is trying to teach us to know our place. Let's go to verse maybe... Uh, 26 to 20, yeah, perfect. Uh, and it says this, right? The final insult. Well, it's not an insult, but it sounds like an insult. Uh, Jesus finally said, you know, uh, you know, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. To a lot of us, that sounds like an insult. It makes us rethink, is Jesus fully man and fully God? He sounds fully man only right now, but he's fully man and he's fully God. And he did this so that faith would come out. Look at the response of the woman. Focus on 27. Despite all that was thrown at her face, seemingly, she still said, yes, Lord. He didn't call her, how dare you call me names? I'm going to, you know, create a hashtag to cancel you. Cancel Jesus. No, 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 no. He says, yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. She was saying that, I get you, and yet 
I understand. You're the master. If you say these are children that you feed, that means you are the master. And, and, and because I know that my place, my place, yes, Jesus, if you're going to call me a little dog, I accept that. I accept that. Let me just pause here for a bit and let me give you the understanding for the word little dog. The book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew was originally written, recorded down in Greek, the language of its time, uh, in about 70 AD. Um, and uh, the word dog or little dog, uh, the Greek is kainarioes. Kaina, forget the pronunciation, kainarioes. But it means little dog, little pet or a house dog. And so I want to give us a, a, a bit of a background here. The people of God, um, being chosen by God, people of Israel, um, after a while, the disappointments in life or maybe the pride of being chosen got to them. Don't forget that this was during the era of Roman occupation. And maybe they were feeling it a bit because they, were, they knew they were God's chosen people. They have all this history of miracles and God reigning supreme, establishing their nation. And here they are conquered. Here they are uh, being treated as second-class citizens. And, and when you're down and angry, you try to lash out. And, if, and because they couldn't overthrow the Roman oppressors, the least you could do is start calling them by an ugly name. And after a while, the word dog was being used among the Jewish community to describe anyone that was not of Jewish descent. Uh, dog meant Gentile. Doesn't mean if you're, maybe it was meant as an insult to the Roman uh, Empire, but after a while, it was just everyone. Canaanites, you guys are dogs as well. You know, Samaritans, you're dogs, whatever. Because only us, only us, we are the children. Only we are the children. And you will see this every time when they try to argue with Jesus. They say, Abraham is our father when Jesus says, no, no, you, you guys are, you know, get lost. You know, you, you have no claim to that. Anyway, this just gives us a history. And so, why dog? Because if the temple is the house of God, then the people of Israel could go in and out of the temple. But the Gentiles were not allowed in. And what animals stay outside? Dogs. Pets. And so they're saying that dogs stay outside. Dogs are not allowed in. We are the children. We can go in. We can come out. But you guys are all dogs. And after a while, it was a way to, I don't know, an underdog's way to get the upper hand, maybe. But around that time, it started becoming hate speech. And I want to clarify, Jesus didn't use the word dog. Jesus used the word little dogs. Even the, the English translation says little dogs. I know, for you, dog, little dog makes no difference. But in the Greek translation, it makes a difference between, because little dog, like I mentioned earlier, means pet, means household pet, which means that this is a dog that has a master. This is a dog that could even be allowed indoors into certain designated spaces and places. And what this person understood is this, yeah, you know, I have, I, I, I might be, I might have a pass. I, I, I might be messed up. But, at least God is my master. And when you understand your place, not only will you be able to take a no from God, because you understand that, yeah, you know, God knows best. So I'm just going to stick in my place. He is Lord, not me. He is God, not me. So I'm just going to stick in my place. I'm just going to trust in Him. And when you know your place, you will be able to take any instructions from God. You can take a go, you can take a no. Uh, and, and what... This person understood, this Kenan woman understood is that not only do I have a place, but, but God, He's my master. If you call me little dog, oh, I get you, Jesus. I, I, I belong to you. And I might not be your priority right now, but you're still my master. And, and, and because I know my place, and I know how big my master is, and, and because of that, I know, Lord Jesus, that it doesn't take a whole loaf of bread to kill my daughter, even crumbs can set my daughter free. Can you imagine when we start praying like that? God, even your crumbs can set this woman's daughter free. So God, the mustard seed faith within me, I'm able to face any opposition that comes my way. You see, that is victorious living once you know your place. And so this person knew, this lady knew, oh, my place, 
Yeah, he's not insult. I'm a little dog. Yeah, sure, I'm a little dog. But at least a little dog is not a stray dog. We once were stray dogs, totally disconnected with God. But then God found us, brought us in. Jesus brought us in. And when you become from a stray dog to a house dog, what's the thing you get? You get a name. Stray dogs have no names. But every little dog, every house dog, every house pet has a name. That speaks of the nature of God. He gives us a new name. And then He brings us in. And not only that, He becomes our master. And so no matter what, a stray dog or a little dog, a stray dog doesn't have food. A little dog will always have food. Will always have food. Have you seen the size of my dog? Always have food. Sometimes you will come to my house and go, Pastor, what are you doing? I'm cooking for the dog. Cooking for the dog? Yeah, I'm cooking for the dog. Because the master will look out for everyone, the children and the little pets. And once we understand this, it will liberate us. So the next time when God says a no, it's not to mess with you, but it's to remind us of our place. Because the sad thing is this, that me and Pastor Kat, uh, after counselling, we, we sometimes hear the most painful and hurtful words come out from Christians in the uh, description of God. They'll say things like, you know, Pastor, the reason why I'm not coming to church nowadays is because I, I, I'm just so disappointed with God. Disappointed with God? You know, disappointment sounds like you're talking about a five-year-old. I'm so disappointed at you, little Timmy. You ate the cookies when I told you not to. Disappointed at God. Yeah, I'm so disappointed at God because, you know, when I prayed, He didn't answer. I'm so disappointed at God because I, I, I gave and I didn't get anything with that. I'm so disappointed. And could it be that sometimes God is restricting us because He needs to remind us of our place again? Hey, hey, that's a little bit too proud. Hey, that, that's a little bit too rude. Because sometimes if you're honest, just like the disciples, after a while, being close to Jesus makes us proud. People are, are wanting Jesus. <laughs> this lady was wanting Jesus. The disciples thought they, they were wanted. And Jesus had put them, hey, it's not about you, it's about me. Let me talk to this woman. Now learn from this woman. Great is her faith. Great is her faith. Not your faith, her faith. Okay, Jesus. And his disciples constantly got it wrong. James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Jesus, do you want us to call down fire? And Jesus says, shut up. Peter took down the knife and lopped off someone's ear. And Jesus says, get lost. Believers, if, if the apostle Peter needed to be put in his place, if John and James, sons of Zebedee, needs to be put in their place, what more us? And let me end with encouragement. A master corrects, always corrects out of love. No parent disciplines their child. As I said this, I know that we live in a broken world and there are abuse. But every parent, and I pray that all of us when we become parents, never discipline your child in anger. But you discipline out of love. God always disciplines out of love. Restricts out of love. And so when God says no, it's reminding us, hey, overstepping. You're asking for something that you have no right asking. Stop it. Be humble. Learn. Learn my heart again. Amen? And I pray that through this, we'll be able to reflect back at all the no's, all the pain, and all the disappointments. And this is how I want us to end today. I want us to end, you know, with a time of worship. And uh, can I just invite the worship team up? And I want us to just begin to come to that place again. I want us to learn to surrender. I pray that today's message will help us to process and help us to be able to receive a no from God. But right now, I'm going to talk to us about our past. And maybe seated here, there's some of us, nobody likes to say the fact that they're angry at God. But the truth is, maybe there are still some unresolved issues. God, why did you? God last year was such a painful year? Some of us might be saying, God, why did I feel like I was abandoned? God, why? Why when I wanted to hear your voice the most, all I heard was your silence? God, why did you not intervene? I had a severe problem. It wasn't even for me. This woman wasn't crying out for herself. She was crying out for her kid. 
some of us maybe we were praying God how come I was interceding for my loved one and yet they were taken away from me why God and over time we stop questioning that but if we're really honest that now becomes a stumbling block for us trusting God for bigger things and as a result when God challenges us again all we can do is think back at the last time we were disappointed last time we were rejected the last time we felt like we were abandoned but I hope that today we will know that God doesn't abandon us He doesn't say no without reason and sometimes we not enough time has played out for us to understand why God said that no maybe in a year's time we'll finally understand now I know why you said no because if, you, if I had said, if I had gone down that path, I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't be who I am today. I wouldn't be with who I am. And the list of blessing goes on. But let's learn to let go by faith. So I want us to bring all of our emotional baggage before God right now. Okay, and just invite us right now, this place. You can stand if you want to. You can kneel if you want to. But let's just worship God. And let's bring our past to Him again, bring our pain to Him again, and just allow Him to minister and just begin to surrender and trust again. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.actschurch.uk. God bless.